the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host, and nearly became the new first baseman for the Dodgers. Freddie Freeman beat me out on that a little bit. Yeah, he might have been cheaper than me. It's those contract negotiators, you know. uh, You just got to have a better agent. I guess that's how it works. We're live in Southern California from 3 to 5 each and every weekday, which is how long you might be staying in line for gas. So welcome to the program. Today is Friday, and on Friday, we like to do Open Line Friday. we got plenty of things to talk about, but I'd like to get your opinion about whatever you might want to talk about. Maybe something different, something on your line, doesn't even, in your mind, doesn't even have to be an opinion. Maybe you've got a question about something, a Bible question, question about faith, question about the world, question about uh, one guy called me for financial advice and advice one time. That's not really what I'm here for, but, you know, um, I can help you pay off your visa bill. Not, I'm not going to send you a check, but I can give you a pattern. Um, whatever you want to call me about, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. And if you can't give me a call right now because you're sitting at the desk or you feel like you just can't call, but you want to participate in the discussion, you can email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Once again, the number for Open Line Friday is 888 528 2557, anything at all that you want to talk about. We'll go there. So we're, we're looking at the news today and different stories that are in the news, different things that, that we talk about. And one of the things we try to do is have a Christian perspective. And some of the topics, they get right in our kitchen, don't they? Things in the news. Some of our, I like to say that, you know, if you're in somebody's kitchen, you're like right in their business. And, you know, that can be a good thing. If you're friends with people, when you can just go to somebody's house and get right in their kitchen, well, then you're you're pretty close, but you're in their business. You know, you can go right to the fridge. You can find out what they're eating, what they're drinking, those kinds of things. And it's okay for us to get that close because we're a family here on KKLA. We are here to be with each other and to encourage each other. And as believers, most of you are believers, to live faithfully. If you're not a believer, we're here to encourage you to, to ultimately to seek out Jesus Christ as your Savior, that ultimately whatever differences you might have with the church or with me or with your experience with other Christians, focus on Christ. That is my encouragement for you, to pay attention to whether or not Jesus Christ rose again from the grave. Don't just read your own side of things. Read everybody's opinion about it and decide, because if Jesus came up out of the grave, it changes everybody's discussion. If Jesus came up out of the grave, then even the hard subjects that we might be dealing with on this program or in the news, particularly things about sexuality, as we talked about in the last hour, a little bit this hour in the news, we'll talk about some things. You know, how do you know what's right and wrong? Who is the decider? Is the decider government? Is the decider the pastor? Who's the decider? Well, tell you what, if Jesus came up out of the grave, then he's the decider. And you want to do what he wants to say. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. Uh, one of the big stories today is uh, Leah Thomas. You know who she is. She is the transgender athlete from uh, 
was it Penn State, who is winning in uh, this in the swimming pool and who biologically is a man swam for the men's team just two years ago and now she's on the ladies team and she's winning she's winning everything go to clip one let's turn to ncaa swimming and diving the championship there now swimmer leah thomas making history winning the 500 yard freestyle event she is now the first known transgender athlete to win a division one championship in any sport She's the first known transgender athlete. I thought that's interesting. Are there a bunch of unknowns out there um, who, who have been a part of that? Anyway, uh, I'm, I'm thinking she's probably the first one, and uh, she's winning. She's winning these awards. Go to clip number two. It looks like Thomas is going to win. It took four minutes and 33 seconds for Leah Thomas to swim her way into NCAA history. Thomas wins the NCAA championship. With her victory in the women's 500-yard freestyle, Leah Thomas is now the first openly transgender D1 athlete to become an NCAA national champion. I was just happy to be here trying to race and compete as best as I could. The last voice there was uh, Leah Thomas who is a trans woman, which means that she is biologically male, and uh, she's winning these races. And it's highly controversial, as you can imagine, because the women that she's beating, people who are women who have trained for this for life, who have been working really hard, have very little or no chance to win. And there's loads of controversy. Sometimes she wins by many lengths where she's out of the pool and done just about before anybody else is done. One time it was pretty close, a couple of seconds, and then people accused her of just slowing down on purpose so it would be closer. Um, you know, one of the things is this is like talk radio, low-hanging fruit, I think, this kind of subject. And it's all over the news today because she's winning these awards and it's, it's bringing up this question, is this fair? Is this right? And I want us to keep in mind that whatever... Leah is going through, there's a lot going, going on with her in her life, all right, and you need to pray for her, and whatever is there, there's, there's stuff there, all right. What I want to do is think about it from the context of, of men and women in general, from the context of um, what are we doing as a culture that we are, are, treating transgender people as if their biology even has changed. Now, I'm going to give you another example of this. In This is in USA Today. This, is a, this story is two years old, all right, but it, it matters. In USA Today, a man arrives at the hospital in, uh, in Texas, and the nurse with severe abdominal pains, the nurse didn't consider it an emergency, noting that he was obese and had stopped taking blood pressure medicines. But here's the thing. In reality... He was pregnant and was a transgender man in labor that was about to end in stillbirth. So in this case, what happens is it points to this issue where assumptions were made about him that he was a man because he was transgender man and probably to some extent looked like a man at first glance. And he was treated in the ER as a man. So if you're male and you go to the ER and you've got stomach pains, you know, if I went to the ER and I've got stomach pains, they're not going to give me a pregnancy test. They're not going to ask me when my last period was. They're not going to ask questions that they would ask a woman if I'm a man because that would make no sense because I don't have a uterus. I don't have that kind of function. And they would think I have something else. Well, this is how they treated this man in the hospital. 
in the ER. They didn't ask. They knew in his chart, okay? They knew in his chart that he was transgender, that his insides, he had a uterus. They didn't bother to give him a test. And here's the thing that amazes me in this article. The point, this is what the article says, is not, this is the hospital's response, okay? This is from the University of Michigan response. The point is not what happened to this particular individual, but this is an example of what happens to transgender people interacting with the healthcare system. And then they say this, this is, he was rightly classified as a man in the medical records, but that classification threw us off from considering his actual medical needs. He was rightly classified as a man in the medical records because he's transgender. So instead of actually treating what is physically and biologically a part of his body, this hospital decides to treat him as a man, even though he's presenting symptoms as a a woman who is pregnant. And uh, he gives birth to, that's the real problem. They totally misdiagnose him. Everything's wrong. But the University of Michigan, who investigated this and wrote it in the journal, that's where that's from, said that he was rightly classified in this way. Have we just lost our minds in this culture? It's not good treatment for this person. This person should have been getting prenatal care since the beginning. This person must have known that it's possible that they're pregnant because there are other things you have to do in order to get in that condition. Eight 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 five two eight two five five seven eight eight eight. L.A. Talks is the phone number. And so this is big in the news today. It's really big in the news today. And it's changing women's sports. And another question I have is, is this a right or left question? Is this something that it seems to be people on the right politically have an opinion that's different than people on the left that have this opinion? Why? Is it okay for men to dominate women's sports, biological men? Is this okay? What if if Leah Thomas is only the first of many, what if in a couple of years, everybody in the NCAA are transgender men dominating women's sports and the women who have been training their whole life uh, can't even compete? And you might say, ah, that's crazy. That's one of those things, you know, that you're saying. Well, let me ask you something. Is it? Maybe it is. I hope that's crazy. I hope that this ends. I think it has to end somewhere. You know, it isn't that women can't compete with men at certain levels. Um, you know, she, uh, probably all the women on that team can swim faster than me, I would guess, but they're not going to beat most of the, probably any of the people in the men's team. You know, I was a kid, I played soccer and in the third grade, there was a girl on our team because there was no girls AYSO. There was no girls soccer team at that year. They started at the year after when I was in the fourth grade and we had one girl on our team. There might've been two girls playing in the whole AYSO league. And that's the way it was back then. And you know what's great about it in our team? Her name was Kelly. She was the best player on our team by far. She was clearly the best player in the whole league. Great soccer player. I was the goalie, and I would throw the ball to her, and she would dribble down and score. In fact, she scored every goal our team scored all year. Nobody else scored a goal. And it was she then moved to girl soccer the next year. And by the time she was in high school with me, she was a great soccer player by far. But there's no way she could have competed on the men's team at that point. So in the third grade, yeah, she she beat us all up. She would still beat me in high school and a lot of the guys she would beat, but she wouldn't compete in that way. Is Is there something wrong with that? 
Mike, when I, when I point out that story, it's just factual story. Is there something wrong with that? I feel like where we're going as a society is we want to say that's not true. That's not possible that we are the same, that in the same way that we treated this person in the emergency room as biologically male, when biologically, according to the chart, they knew he was female, but they didn't bother to treat his pregnancy symptoms as being pregnant. Is this where we're going with the the sports thing, that we're going to ignore the fact that Leah Thomas is enormous physiologically compared to the other women who he's swimming against? When you look at him, he's standing there in the first place box on the podium next to the second and third place people, and he towers over them. And he, she sounds like a male, has male genitalia. It's just a huge issue. Where are we at as a culture? We, need, we have got to pray. This makes no sense. And my opinion about it is that it's spiritual, that it goes beyond anything, because it just doesn't make any sense, that this is something that the evil one is doing I feel like we don't, I feel like most people agree with me on the left and right. This is something that's on my mind today. Why do we feel like we can't? I think almost everybody agrees that maybe we should figure out what to do for transgender people who want to play sports. But I don't think people agree that a transgender woman is the same biologically, physiologically, as someone who was born as a woman. 888-528-2557. We don't have to talk about this subject. Uh, We can talk about anything you want because this is Southern California Live's Open Line Friday. So anything you want, 888-LA-TALKS. I want to talk about that because it's in the news today. We're hearing that all the time. Um, And, uh, you know, Admiral uh, the Rachel Levine is transgender, and she won USA Today's Woman of the Year this past weekend. She's only been a woman for a couple of years, but uh, is that fair? Is that right? There's, There's a woman who earned it for her whole life, who fought hard to get to that position in the military, who fought hard to really do and overcome actual obstacles that are there, absolute ab, real obstacles for inequality and all this, and that person can't win. That's somebody who's actually a man. I think, you know, if you're bothered by the patriarchy, isn't that, isn't this part of it? Isn't this the same thing? Anyway, there you go. I know that's all out there. I think we kind of agree on that, that whole subject. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS, that's the number. Let's go to the phones. Chad and Norco. Chad, thanks for staying on hold. How are you doing today, Chad? Good. How are you? I'm doing fine. Uh, so my question is, um, how do we, uh, like, what do we make of the books that are not in the biblical canon of the, of the Bible? Because I've been studying um, the book of Enoch, and it's been uh-huh. Fascinated about the story about uh, Lucifer and him talking to Adam, and I was just wondering, like, what do we make of that book and how it's not in the Canaan? Is it like factual compared to the other Gospels or you know the other books of the Bible that are part of the Canaan? So that's kind of like my question. Yeah, okay, that's a good question, uh, Chad. A lot of people have those questions. There are there are different books um, that are. Christian or or Jewish in this case from ancient times, and the question is ultimately why are they not in the Bible? Uh, well, some are in the Bible, and there are there's two different sorts of groups, at least two different, probably more, but different groups of books to look at. Some books are clearly written; they're called pseudepigraphica, meaning that they are pseudo, meaning fake authors. So, a Gospel of Thomas, for example, maybe you've heard of that. That per 
tends to be written by the Apostle Thomas, but science tells us that clearly it was written 300 years later, I think in the third century, could not have been Thomas, even though the author says that they're Thomas, and it's a fake. Um, And some people say, well, see, this was excluded from the Bible. No, no, it wasn't. It wasn't even written when the Bible was put together. It was written by somebody who was fake. But there are other books, and the book of Enoch is one of the most interesting ones that are written. Obviously, there were people writing books. There are just like today. You can go to the bookstore, go to Amazon.com, look under Christianity or Judaism, and you're going to find a whole bunch of books on different subjects. Why are those books not Bible? You know, your favorite book you're by your favorite Christian author, well, why is that not Bible? You know, is it, has it ended? And why did, why did some books that are in antiquity, like the book of Enoch, not get included in the Bible? Um, Enoch is referred to in the Bible, so it's a very interesting book in the book of Jude, uh, you will you will find that. So why is it not in the Bible? There's a few different reasons that some books aren't in the Bible, and I'll I'll get take a little look at specifically why Enoch's not in the Bible. Um, but usually the reason is that it was written as a history book, but not necessarily as a spiritual book, or it was written as what people believed at the time, but there was nothing that connects it to the story of salvation, nothing that gives people the idea that this was inspired by God. There might be really clear errors in it that would say, okay, this is something that somebody wrote that is about the faith, about Judaism, but we can't really verify uh, what is there. The book of Enoch is one of the most interesting ones. There are some, it's interesting also because some Christian traditions do include Enoch in the Bible. All right, it's that close. There's a lot of different books that are great, they're just, but they're just history books. And they talk about God, and they talk about Judaism, and and they're probably presenting history really well. There's other books of wisdom that are collections of of religious sayings about God, and why are they not in the book, in the Bible, but Proverbs is, for example. And the answer has to do—ultimately, the answer is we believe by faith that the Holy Spirit moved the people of God— the people of Israel first, the faithful ones of Israel, and then the early Christians, to which books are Scripture and which books are not. And you have to have it some bit of faith that God is going to orchestrate this through his Holy Spirit. But then what do you do with the books that were left out but that are not fake or that are written or even uh, referenced? Enoch is not the only one referenced in the Bible. The book of First uh, and Second Corinthians really is probably 2nd and 4th Corinthians, at least. You have to imagine Paul's writing letters a lot. I mean, he's in prison, he wrote some some letters there, we have those, but I'll bet he wrote a lot of letters. And some people think that, uh, you know, 1 Corinthians is, part of that book is in response to another letter that he wrote. So we know there's another Corinthians out there. Why was it not preserved? Why is it is there not a 3rd Corinthians? Well, probably because it wasn't inspired by the Holy Spirit in the same way. We just have to go there, and that if it was, it would be preserved in a terrific sense. Um, So it isn't that there isn't even certain things that are true in there, but for most of us who believe in um, the doctrine of inerrancy, which is not the idea that everything written in your translation is accurate from the standpoint that it's an interpretation. It means that everything that was originally intended by the author is actually true. Does that make sense? So, you know, if you want to have an argument about is creation six days or is it over a period of time, well, ultimately it depends on what Moses meant when he wrote that down. 
um, what was the intention there? That is, in inerrancy, is to say, well, that's actually true. What If there are controversial passages or passages we're not really sure what they mean, whatever the author meant to say, we believe that that to be true. So maybe we're interpreting it a little bit wrong, and uh, well, there's some room for that. That's where we have some disagreement on different things. But ultimately, whatever was meant to be said uh, should be true. Um, maybe when we get back from the break, I'll look into Enoch just a little bit more for you here, Chris. Uh, but that's a really good question. Um, thank you for calling Southern California Live. And uh, we're doing we're doing Open Line Friday, and you can call and ask any question you want or bring up any topic, anything you want to talk about at all. We will change the subject if you want to do that. I'd like to do that on Fridays. i like to know where you're coming from. What are the questions that you have? And this program, we respond to things that are in the news, and we talk about things that are relevant to our life, and we want to do that from a Christian perspective. And at the same time, we want to hit subjects that you're actually thinking about as part of our family here on KKLA. 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557 is the number. And I want to remind you that if you go to kkla.com, if you are in the LA area or kprz.com, if you're in San Diego, you will find all kinds of information about this show. In fact, the podcast is at kkla.com if you want to get the podcast of this program. It'll be posted fairly soon afterward, and you can always get it later. Send it to your friends and uh, relive some of the the joy and the excitement of our program every single day, kkla.com. I'm Scott Furrow. This is the Friday edition of Southern California Live. I'll be back in just a moment. Stay tuned. Welcome back. SoCal Live. Scott Furrow with you. 888-LA-TALKS is the number, 888-528-2557. Open line Friday, anything that's on your mind, you can give a call and tell us what's on your mind, ask a question about anything at all. We're looking at lots of different subjects today. Before the break, we had a caller ask about the book of Enoch and why that's not in the Bible. And I, I it's funny because I just had a conversation about this with somebody not too long ago about that book. And so I wanted to look it up to be right. I was a little bit incorrect in uh, something that I said, and uh, that also goes to the point that uh, one of the reasons it's not in the Bible is that not everything in there is correct, that not everything in there is historically accurate. One of the the weights for why historically some books were included as God's Word and some were not is that if it's wrong, well, then it must not be. And the place where I was incorrect is I, I said it was not part of the Pseudepigraphica, which is the group of books that are have false authors, where they say that they're Thomas, or they say they're the Gospel of Thomas, or the Gospel of Mary, or you've probably heard maybe of some of these books, but they're not really written by them. Clearly, they're not written by them historically, scientifically. We know that. And I said Enoch was not in that. But it turns out Enoch actually is. And I, I guess I should have known that, but Enoch was not written by the biblical Enoch, and we know that from the timing of what was written there. However, uh, there's a lot of interesting things in there, but that's the reason it's not in there, is that it there could be a lot of truth in there, but there's also some things in there that are not true or historically inaccurate, so those are kept out. It doesn't mean that there's not a valuable teaching in there, and like you know, our program, I hope that our program is helpful to you, and that most of the time I'm speaking the truth. That is the goal, but I do not want you to take this program as biblical truth. Well, Scott said, you know, don't do that. Uh, don't do that with your pastor or any book that you read. There's a guy out there who uh, I won't bring him up because I don't even want you to read him. 
but he actually goes around telling people that his books are Bible because what he claims is that he was called up into heaven, and then when he went up into heaven, he sat with with Paul, and uh, Paul was complaining to him about uh, how he was frustrated that he didn't get to teach everything that he wanted to teach and frustrated that he didn't really get to explain everything very well. And so the idea is that Paul told this guy all this other stuff that Paul wanted to say, and then this guy wrote the book, and therefore you should treat Paul's book just like, or uh, this guy's book just like Paul's in the Bible. Uh, that's a pretty good marketing technique, right? Sell your, your book as Bible, that it's you can't argue against it. It's infallible. And uh, yeah, don't buy that guy's book. It's kind of funny that he would say that about Paul too. Paul was a guy who finished his ministry by saying, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. Doesn't sound like a guy who's sitting up in heaven uh, despondent about things he didn't get to do, which, by the way, is not something I think you get to, uh, I don't think that happens to you in heaven. I think that you are welcomed in to the family of God, that you are forgiven of whatever that thing is you might not have done, and uh, everything is great. There is no sadness. There are no tears, and I believe that because I believe that the Bible is true. 888-528-2557 is the number. 888-LA-TALKS is the phone number. Open line Friday. Anything on your mind, give us a call, and we will talk about that today as a family here, radio family. Chris from Chino, welcome to Southern California Live. Make a couple of quick comments, and then I'll hang up and listen to your response. I wanted to uh, talk about the transgender athlete. Uh, Mm -hmm. You know, I, I wanted to kind of broach the idea of women's rights versus transgender rights. Okay. Um, where are all the uh, women's groups? Uh, why are they not uh, advocating for women uh, that it's not fair that they have to uh, uh, compete against someone who is a, a male? And then uh, I'll, I'll hang up and listen to your answer. And then I just wanted to let you know that um, I'm going to declare myself as a 12-year-old and I'm going to go back and play Little League again so I can just dominate. Thank you. <laughs> All right, Chris. Thank you for calling. Yeah, that's uh, what age would I uh, declare myself as, as if I could get there? Sometimes I'm really happy with that I'm the age that I am, and sometimes I'm like, I could be 12 again. I tell my kids, my uh, my nine-year-old John, he turns 10 in two weeks, and I keep telling him he's not allowed to turn 10, that he needs to stay nine. Uh, maybe he can just identify as a nine-year-old. You know, we joke about that because it's uh, it's an absurdity, and you know, the difference between women's rights and transgender white rights, I think that this is a tension that's going on that we're going to have to watch. If there are multiple genders, for example, and everybody's got something else going on, you know, you can pick your gender. I think if you go on Facebook or one of these, there's, I mean, how many genders are there? There's so many. I, don't, I started to look them up. I, I think the last time I looked, there was something like 75 different genders. And I know that some of you will have a different opinion about gender and biological sex, but those things, you can make that argument, but it's not how it's playing out, okay? Because what's happening is that biologically, a man in the swimming pool who's biologically male is trouncing, uh, number one, in the NCAA. When he was a man, he was number 440 in the NCAA, and now he's number one and winning the trophies and everything. Um, Where are the women's groups? And that would be a good question to ask. What I was going to get to is that, you know, you have LGBT and all the letters. I'm wondering if the B is a problem, bisexual, which indicates that there's only two genders. Can you still have that? 
And if there are multiple genders, is there such a thing? These are questions that are being asked by people. If there are multiple genders, is there such a thing as homosexuality? Now, historically, clearly there is such a thing as homosexuality. But if there's multiple genders, then maybe there's not. Maybe everything we thought all these years is just a social construct. And maybe there's no such thing as, as women. And I think for, for women, and I would encourage women to speak about this, I would encourage, especially if you are a woman who has fought for equality, if you have fought all these years uh, to make it to where you maybe have accomplished something in sports or in business or in a man's world or however you want to look at it, how do you feel about this? How do you, you where are, do you, what if this ruins women's sports? The reason, there's only one reason that there's a men's team and a women's team. There's only one. There's only one reason for that. And it's biological. It's that if you don't have that, then there are almost never going to be a woman in a lot of different sports out there. Not because she's not talented, not because she doesn't have the ability to work hard and improve and do all of that, but because biologically speaking, there's no way she's going to compete with men who are bigger in the same field, if that makes sense. A man who is bigger and talented in the same way, in the same, that's just biological. It's not the same thing as a business uh, qualification or equal pay for equal work or different things like that. I would, and and that is something that is happening. A lot of the girls, uh, young women, I should say, who are in NCAA swimming are speaking out and they're speaking out about this being not fair. They're speaking out about problems in the locker room because apparently this swimmer, Leah Thomas, is trans transgender woman, but she is likes women still, and she still has male genitalia, and she's not covering up in the locker room. I mean, this is, you know, it's, it's I guess what I'm wanting to figure out is why as a culture, are we not screaming out? When does it end? When does it end? Does somebody have to go to the Olympics and win the gold medal um, on the woman's side and women swimming or something who's transgender? Does, is that where this has to go before the world says, you know what, we're not going to go down there? See, in transgender rights, you should, there's different, there's a whole lot of issues and a whole different discussion uh, with this. But we shouldn't be in a place where we're saying people don't have rights. But people with different conditions there's just certain things that we all have to give up if we're going to transition, if we're going to do these different things. Um, that's just the way the world works. We have to give up certain rights. She, When she's a man, she has the right to try out and swim on the men's team. But does that mean when she, if she decides she's going to be a woman that she has the right to be on the, the ladies' team when biologically she's male? I think not. Well, that's at least the, the argument that's being made there. There's a lot here that's going to have to get worked out. But as a culture, we're going to have to decide what it is that we believe about men and women. And this is where the crux of the problem is and why I say it's spiritual. If you want to look at this issue, one of the reasons we're having this issue is because spiritually speaking, what is happening is we're trying to remove everything in Genesis 1 through 3. That's what's happening. We don't want to say there's a creator. However it's created, six days, six weeks, six years, six million years, however you want to say it, if there is a creator, then the creator has authority over the created. 
But if you just want to get rid of that altogether, however, then nobody has authority. Then who has the authority? Well, we have the authority over ourselves. Well, how do we do that? Well, then we have to have government. And see, this is where you get into totalitarian states. This is where you get into government systems that claim to be for the workers and for the people and for the lower class and against the elite and all of this. And it doesn't work because you just invent another elite and you just hinder other people and and there's no recourse. See, the brilliance of our country, the brilliance of why the United States has enjoyed so much freedom and so much uh, growth and blessing is because we recognize something after centuries of human beings doing it wrong, that the rights that we have as human beings to freedom come from a creator. That's foundational to who we are as a country. If you take away that creator and we don't have certain inalienable rights, then our rights only come from the government, whatever the government is, or they come from only the strongest person in the room, or they come from whoever is the most manipulative or the most influential or who has the biggest weapons, who has the strongest forearms, you know, whatever it is, that person then decides what's moral. If you're an atheist out there and if you're honest about it, the problem that you have is that if there is no God in the universe, then why do we have any sense at all of what's moral? Because it doesn't really matter, does it? If there's no God, then science tells us that the future is that the sun's going to explode and destroy the whole solar system. And there'll be no earth, it'll just fry, that's it. That's, that's the hope that you have in science. And if that's the case, then why shouldn't I just take whatever I can get away with? Why should I care at all about human rights or animal rights or anybody's rights? If there's no God, if there's no morality, then I should just do what I want. Why, if I'm Putin, should I just go shell Ukraine and tell my people that they're just a bunch of crazy Nazis and that we're there as rescuers and tell them whatever lie I want to and just keep killing and bombing hospitals and bombing innocent people. Well, if there's no God, listen, listen, if there's no God, then why not do that if you're Putin? See what I'm saying? Uh, this matters a lot, and this is at the core. This is why I think these are issues, because if you get into it, if you get into no, there is such a thing as man and woman, then part of what you're doing is you're confirming something written in the first chapters of Genesis. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. See, you have to get rid of Genesis 1 through 3 because if you don't, then you're going to have to deal with the fact that we're created by God to be male and female, and we're different male and female biologically, and we're loved by God. We're made in the image of God. We have rights as human beings, and they come from God, not the government. And it causes us to really question that. I think that's what the devil's doing. I think this is very, very spiritual, very, very real. And that's why it's, it just doesn't make any sense. You're listening to Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you. Open line Friday, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as your Friday edition of SoCal Live continues. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. Great to be with you today. Open line Friday. Give me a call. Anything that's on your mind, 888-528-2557 is that number. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Almost to the weekend. I hope that you've got some good plans. I hope those plans include going to church. Are you back in church? You know, the uh, 
I don't know that the COVID's over. Dr. Fauci uh, surfaced today. I haven't seen him for a while with some new variant, but hopefully that's not going to affect uh, much going on to, into the summer here pretty soon. And a lot of us are out of the habit of going to church for various reasons. Maybe you were already there before all of this. I want to encourage you to go to church. Find a church near you that teaches the Bible, where you can have fellowship, where you can connect with other believers. You can even find other listeners to this show and be right there with them. 888-528-2557 is the number. Tracy from Silmar, welcome to Southern California Live. Hi, Scott. Um, I have a concern about our judicial system. Yeah. Uh, I've been coming in contact with a, a judge and a case that I have that he's making his own rules. And are, are you I, in a, that, it's a case you're involved with? Are you an attorney or are you, uh, you know, a plaintiff or defendant? Okay. And Go I ahead. have two minor kids and it's just, I'm looking at our judicial system and it's ran, it's run amok. You know, they do not, they do not honor what they took an oath to uphold. And by that I'm saying is, you know, you have a default in a case. They don't acknowledge your default. They give the other party a way to throw you out of your home. And I don't have, I don't have an attorney, so I don't know the laws. but it seems like a person that does have an attorney, they have a one-up on somebody that really is lame. Hmm. So in your case, are are you losing your home? Are you having some difficulty there, Tracy? Yeah, I can ask. Yes, with my husband and uh, a corrupt judge and a corrupt attorney. All right. So I, I when I asked you before, it, it kind of cut out and I didn't hear. So you're involved in a case right now. And uh, are you and your husband together or is he on the other side? He's on the other side, sir. Okay. Well, I'm sorry about that, Tracy. You know what, Tracy? I'll tell you what. Um you, what you're saying is something that has always been true, even in the best systems in the world. And I, I think still with our problems, we're the best in the world, but that doesn't mean we don't have problems and corruption and rules that are unfair. And people who can get better attorneys who can afford that or just have more you know, attorneys that are better skilled, they often do better. And it's not just, right? It, it's not the right thing. Uh, Tracy, you said you have kids? Yeah, and they're minors. They're They've been old? in the system since since my my daughter was seven and my boy uh, is not was nine. Now he's seventeen and my daughter is uh, she just turned fifteen. You know, and I, I forgive their father. They he doesn't he doesn't interact with them. He wants what he wants, hmm. and he doesn't care who he hurts. And and that's why I thought, well, who better than the judicial system to see? what is the best fit for these children and, and, and protect them, which they're not doing. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and you said you don't have an attorney. So when you go to court, you, you argue your own case. Is that what's happening? It's pro se. Yeah. And, yeah. and what his attorney tried to do, it was DV and his attorney took my own case and made it into a, a, a unlawful detainer to where he, they know people inside of the court system to where they had that stamp as an unlawful detainer, took it to the sheriff's department, and my dog, my kids, and me were subjected to uh, 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 to put on the street. Do you have a place to live now? 
Oh, yes. By the grace of God, that's why another thing, why I like listening to you. What you said in that last little segment with that gentleman about Genesis and what that Bible stands for, at the end of the day, we win. And I don't care what we're going through on this earth. God has the final say. Maybe this, I'm going through this journey to help women and men. And, and children and animals, because I got, we, our animal got put out on the street too with us. But then I found out it was a bogus rich and I got myself and our children and our dog back in our home. But this attorney, I did another restraining order, took the restraining order and said, my husband, I was harassing him and basically did another illegal writ and the judge signed off on it. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. So, yeah, but, you, you know, know, that's what I wanted to vent about. And yeah. um... <laughs> Hey, uh, Tracy, before you go, I'd like to pray for you, and I just want to encourage you in this way. Uh, a moment ago, you know, you said something really great, that in spite of all this, you said, you know what, maybe I can help other women going through the same thing. And that men maybe God is... Too. you men. And, yeah, men get abused, too. Sure, men, women, and the kids, and... Yeah, don't you leave know, them out. And animals. Yeah, you know, we have a we have a responsibility, right? You know, something that yes, I think gets maybe used in the wrong way sometimes, but something that we're called to do. It's called uh you've probably heard it before. It's called the Micah mandate, Micah six eight. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good and what does the Lord require of you to act justly and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. And you know, there's a lot of conversation about justice, you know, in our world today, but the biblical approach to it is, hey, you know what? Sometimes the government is not just, but our call as believers is to love one another. And sometimes we're in a situation where we can help people find justice, even if the court or the system doesn't. And when you use your experience to help other people, when you're able to trust the Lord for that, you know, he might use you in tremendous ways to really help people, um, which may not be comforting in light of the struggle you're going through. But I'm glad you have that that approach uh, to it. Can I pray for you real quick, Tracy? Yes, God, go ahead. All right, God, I thank you for Tracy. I thank you that she's part of our family, that she's my sister, and I love her, Lord. And she's got so many things on her heart and so many burdens with her kids and her husband and the difficulty of going through the system. And God, sometimes our system fails us and the whole system is an additional burden even where it's supposed to lift that burden. God, I pray that whatever is just and right will be done by the courts, attorneys. I pray that if there's somebody who can represent Tracy, that she would be led to that person, uh, if that person can lead her in a better way. And Lord, I pray that you strengthen her heart, that she would continue in the attitude of saying, you know what, the Lord can still use me to help other people who are going through what I'm going through, and that she would know that one day all of justice will be done that when we are with you together, when we are with Christ in the presence of the Lord forever, there will never be any injustice of any kind. I thank you that Jesus is Tracy's Savior. I thank you that she is my sister and that she's a listener to our show. I pray that you bless her heart and be with her kids, strengthen them, and convict her husband of whatever wrongdoing is there. I pray that the system works for her. I thank you for her trust in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Tracy, thank, thank you, you my for brother, calling. Stop. All right. I love you, Tracy. Thank you for calling. 
you know, right, friends, that's, you know, people are going through stuff and um, it's not fair. That's that's what happens a lot in the world and a lot of what has gone on. Why is there so much corruption even when things are good? Uh, that's what sin does. Everything sin touches dies. Everything that sin is going to connect with, it's going to kill it, kill what ought to be. This is Southern California Live. Scott Furrow, I want to get to a couple of your emails uh, that you have written today. Um, you can always email me at SoCalLive at KKLA.com if you can't call in, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. Uh, Richie, Richie is talking about the Shaquille O'Neal $20 idea that goes into the bank account or into the gas tank. If you were with us last Friday, we had a whole conversation about Shaquille O'Neal's theory that it's much better to fill up your tank at about halfway rather than to fill it up and wait till it goes all the way to the bottom. And there's a whole, it's a whole hilarious conversation. I won't get into all of it, but his idea is you put 20 bucks in, you just keep putting 20 bucks in. And what he kept saying is that it costs less. It doesn't really cost less, but it does feel better. And he's writing to say that that works for him. He says he's an electrician and husband of beautiful wife and father to seven kids. I mean, think about people going through things right now. He's got seven kids, he's married, and he's just trying to live paycheck to paycheck. He works in L.A., and he has a 37-mile drive that takes an hour and a half in the morning and two and a half hours on the way home. And 20 bucks a day is helping him stay encouraged in his gas. Hey, uh, Richie, thank you very much for joining us uh, and for writing. We love you, man. Seven kids. Hang in there, okay, with the gas prices. Last question, what, is the, what does heaven look like in the Bible? I'm out of time. I'm going to give you this one passage from Zechariah 14.20. On that day, holy to the Lord will be inscribed and the bells of the horses and the cooking pots and the Lord's house will be like sacred bowls in front of the altar. Every pot in Jerusalem and Judah will be holy to the Lord Almighty and all who come to sacrifice will take some of the pots and cook in them. And on that day, there will be no longer a Canaanite in the house of the Lord Almighty. The house of the Lord in heaven, the way you describe it, it's literally streets of gold, literally children playing in the streets in safety, there's such a great description of heaven in the Bible. That's where you're going if you believe in Jesus. I can tell you more about that. You can email me at SoCalLive if you want to know more, SoCalLive at KKLA.com. But I'm out of time right now. Everybody, thanks for calling in and joining me today. I'm Scott Furrow, and I'll be back with you on Monday. God bless you. Thanks for listening to SoCal Live. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.